Well, welcome, welcome, Anne, to the podcast. Uh, so this is the Kevin Polky the Journey podcast, and uh, mm-hmm. and thank you for coming in and uh, and being able to share this time, uh, mm-hmm. share this time with us. So, if you could just maybe start us off with just uh, maybe because uh, I've known you now for a while, and mm-hmm. and, and our, through through uh, not only through church but then also mm-hmm. through um, other circles, and and we've done mm-hmm. some work together and and done a, a couple different things, but. If you, outside of uh, work and spending time um, with your husband, Jim, what do you do for fun? What's, what do you do? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, what do you do for fun? For fun? I love to dance, actually. Okay. And um, I love, uh, I'm learning to play bridge now. Okay. This is okay. the latest fun thing. Okay. Um, it's quite a challenge, but there's an odd piece of fun because when you, take lessons you're with all newbies no one knows what they're doing so there's there's always an element of fun in that and then Jim and I love to travel and our um our focus or our shared value when we travel is architecture and history and you know we're focusing on our own United States actually okay since we've been semi-retired okay. and a little bit before that so okay nice okay yeah. so so bridge now is i don't know much about bridge golf i should mention golf oh you golf too that's the summer one yeah. okay okay so so golf golf and during the warmer months right and then you can bridge or dance during yep. during the mm-hmm. little bit cooler months and so with bridge is uh is that an independent or i mean obviously no. you're playing with other it's individuals very team you, oriented okay. it's partnership oriented Partner. okay. which is Really great for me to learn again in a different, um, on a different plane, a different arena, how to work with another person uh-huh. to achieve a goal. Sure. It's very yeah. interesting because okay. in bridge you're partnered up to defend or to, to win. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. And then you're learning dance and what kind of what dance, kind of dance is it? actually part of my <clears throat> exercise program. It started that way. Okay. Actually, it started years ago when I was in high school. I always loved to dance, and my okay. I grew up watching my parents dance. Okay, and so what kind of dance lessons or classes are you taking? It's or? it's a it's like a jazzercise. <clears throat> it's multifaceted, all different ages. From there's there's some thirty somethings in there, thirty thirty something year olds in there, all the way up to. You know, very active senior women like myself. <laughs> okay, okay, all right, okay. All yeah, right. Gotcha. yeah. Okay. We have a great instructor. She's high, highly energized. Okay. So we learn that we we get to hear the latest music and the newest dances. There you so go. It's okay, fun. nice. Yeah. Okay, because when you were saying dancing, I was thinking like ballroom dancing and, and that yes. type of dancing. So, but you don't. That Jim and I actually went back and spiffed up our little dance thing when our when our sons got married we went okay. and took lessons for a ha- for three or four months okay all right but um yeah this is just my thing your so thing. Dance. okay okay so dance so for exercise. for exercise and mm-hmm. for okay mm-hmm. and we'll get into uh some of where where that led even more so in into your your yeah. life now but but before we jump into that tell me a little bit um are you from the rockford area have you lived I am. There? okay so mm-hmm. you lived here and graduated from what what high boylan school? boylan mm-hmm. okay okay mm-hmm. and um and so I know part, one part of your story was that you've you've worked in the medical field now, in the health field, mm-hmm. and, and how long? When did mm-hmm. you start that? How did you get into the health field? It's interesting. Um, I was a traditional educator 
I was a reading specialist um, in the both the public schools and the private schools okay. for many years, for over 20 years. And then I knew it was time to leave. I, was, I wanted to leave happy. Mm-hmm. I was tired, but, but I was still happy doing what I was doing. And I wanted to pursue my creative side, which at that time was horticulture and design. Okay. I had been a my art had been my minor in college. So anyway, I um, I pulled out of out of traditional teaching in the middle schools and high schools, and I pursued being an apprentice for a for a um, landscaping company. Okay, and they were happy to have me. They knew I was a, a very uh, motivated learner, mm-hmm. and I shadowed one of the owners, actually, for six months. And I ended up working for them as a, a design contractor, actually, for about five years, and okay. I loved it. Okay. And then we had the recession in mm-hmm. 2008. Okay, yeah. And yeah. that's when this weird transition occurred where someone – in the community who knew me from the neighborhood and high school and all the circles, as we know, the world is very small, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> especially in Rockford. Yeah. <laughs> and she, we were at a luncheon, and she said, I'd like to have lunch with you. I, I'd like you to come and teach adults and work with me. And I, and I knew she was in the healthcare field. Okay. And she said, I think you would be really great with family dynamics and the, and the family issues and you will be able to learn everything you need to know medically to do this from your life experience and um, and that. So anyway, that that there was a lot of resistance. Mm-hmm. I met her for lunch, resistance on my part. I didn't want the bureaucracy of the health system. Sure, yeah. And this was one of the smallest, most private companies that was really a great new idea on how to bring very good uh, health care to seniors that were either suffering from memory loss or all of the multi the multiple issues that geriatric patients have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I kind of shifted into my social service side um, and started doing, learned how to do assessments in depth, uh, family dynamics with adult children who did not want to deal with their aging parents and mm. the hard decisions that came mm. with that. And then the medical apprenticeship was wonderful. She's uh, Bernie Marinelli actually yeah. Yeah. is the psych nurse mm-hmm. and the um, person who who initiated very good health care for seniors in Rockford mm-hmm. and started yeah. the Onum campus okay. on Newburgh Road. Yeah. So so, and, and that's probably, and Bernie and I worked together mm-hmm. at Oakwood Hospital way mm-hmm. back in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. And then I think that's when you approached me. Yes. Um, and we did some um, bridging at that time, right. partnering um, right. with KP Counseling at, at that time. So, so I, I, and even though we knew each other through, um, through right. family and church, that was when we started doing some more work right. um, from a professional standpoint. Right. But your focus was primarily toward the caretaker yes. of yes. the individual who was um, being affected. Yes. Um, and that's when I, I was so happy for our relationship to, be, to, to grow in the professional side because mm-hmm. I needed access to counseling for these adult children and the yeah. caretakers, yeah. caregivers, yeah. whatever. 
you choose to, to say. Um, I needed to have someone I trusted who mm-hmm. would be able to meet these family members. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of how that all yeah, yeah, happened. Yeah. yeah, We did the workshops together. Yep, and yep. I had forgotten about some of those. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and that was, I remember also, um, trying to make some attempts of bring awareness to the community yes. regarding um, Alzheimer's and dementia and just a multitude yes. of things that may affect individuals, but how um, how to keep them within the home right. um, as long as possible. How to keep them within the home and how to give the family the support they need in every area, whether it was medical, legal, social, if they were vets, um, educationally, mm-hmm. spiritually, whatever mm-hmm. they needed. There's a big grief component mm-hmm. yeah. with geriatric illnesses for the family. Mm-hmm. And I think that element, too, of not only the, I think, the grief after someone dies, but then Mm -hmm. the grieving of someone being limited physically, being limited um, mentally or emotionally, and and then the uh, the caregiver uh, mm-hmm. seeing that their life is now changing and they're grieving. This is maybe not how they planned on retirement being. The or, loss of a spouse or a parent who was very active and independent, but they're walking around in front of you with very few of their uh, skills and their dynamic left, mm-hmm. or it's so altered from the illness or the medicine that it's very, very full of grief. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I know a, a part of your journey, your own individual journey, um, was about uh, personal growth and personal, mm-hmm. um, your own personal growth. And, and, mm-hmm. and when did that all come about, of, of being interested in your own personal development? I mean, being a teacher, maybe there's a draw toward that. But, yeah. But, but not <laughs> <Yeah>. always. <laughs> not, not every yeah. teacher, you know. So tell us a little bit about mm. your own personal journey. In the uh, late 70s and Early 80s, I I made a transition through recognizing my my own involvement in the the disease of alcoholism, my own, and then I started studying the family, the extended family. I knew that I I had been suffering from alcoholism and sought recovery, and it changed my life only for the better. And it allowed me to, I think, be of greater service to every person in my life because I was aware of the silent illness that plagues our society, mm-hmm. this addiction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, that's continued uh, for ever since 1980 okay. for me on okay. many levels through service and through um, sharing recovery with whomever may want it Mm -hmm. and through um, trying to really live it in everyday business, uh, all the awarenesses that come to us in recovery, uh, that I I may be dealing with a child of an alcoholic or an extended family member or someone... Someone who may be suffering from it. Sure, sure. Or or a professional, actually, mm-hmm. who's just 
never had to learn about it, who yeah. just has not had to learn about it. I know yeah. that's hard to believe today in this right. society, but it's true. Yeah. There are people who really don't understand it. So. Well, and you said something that um, uh, we differentiate, because you refer to recovery, not just sobriety. And, oh, yeah. And t- talk a little bit about that. Talk about yeah. that a little bit, about the, the difference uh, be, for yeah. you of... Recovery for me meant literally going over or recovering the ground of my life from when I was a young person. Um, The ignorance around alcoholism in, I think, that the post-World War II generation Mm -hmm. and the people who grew up then, like my parents and other people, they had no idea what they were dealing with, and my extended family, sure, yeah. <clears throat> and many families. The, um, you know, the drinking piece, or for some people, the drug piece, is a antidote to the um, the inability to find a strength to meet life, mm-hmm. and so the exit. You know, the exit from that challenge is whatever's near. It it happened to be alcohol for me, but it's not always that for people. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, I I learned that recovering the ground and looking at my life in a with a with a companion, a professional companion, was a very healthy thing to do. Mm-hmm. So I could continue to create new ground not just stay back there sure right um i believe it's a it's a part of the journey but it's not where you stay you know my past is an asset but it's not where i live right and i've created and god's helped me create a new life that keeps changing you know (laughs) yeah it it definitely keeps on it keeps evolving even Mm -hmm. since we've known each other right it it has changed changed and evolved um and I, I think that idea of um, if the amount of energy that we that we use to keep something in the past suppressed mm-hmm. um, then causes other difficulties and then mm-hmm. to anesthetize it, so either mm-hmm. to sleep or to feel different or whatever it may be, then, mm-hmm. um, then that in itself becomes a behavioral pattern that right. causes a problem. Right. right. So, going back and revisiting that going back and maybe having a different perspective today mm-hmm. versus when if it happened when you were a child right. you have an eight-year-old's perspective right but you may be now 50 or 60 years mm-hmm. old still mm-hmm. looking at it from an eight-year-old's perspective mm-hmm. and um, and that's at least for me some of the reasons why we need to go back and revisit it right so right. that we can get maybe a different perspective on yes. it um, I, I think of, uh, you know, there's certain movies that I watched when I was growing up oh, yeah. and, um, and they were my favorite movies and I hadn't seen them you know, mm-hmm. for a long time, but in my mind, they looked a certain way. And then I go to go to watch them. I'm like, that's a wow. good example. Oh goodness. This yeah. is not even the same. And, um, and I always think of going back to the grade school. I, I, I hope someone else has done this and you see the drinking fountain. In the grade school. Yeah, and, they're only uh, like this. High. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Same idea. Yeah. Um, it's amazing the perspective as we revisit yeah. um, a place, 
a place that's a mental place or an emotional place or a physical place, right. how different we relate to it. Yeah. So. And I think if you can do that, if you can do that with someone, if you can mm -hmm. um, go back to that and then there's energy that's released right? and then there's a freedom that comes from that. And so then it becomes just part of your journey. It's no longer right. the journey. And a value, you know, the value of healing and being a companion healer can only come through, uh, for me, can only come through um, my experience and my faith combined. Mm -hmm. um, I believe the work that many uh, religious figures did, but what Christ did on earth was healing. Mm -hmm. and, and there were participants in that. And I think uh, the greater purpose is to bring our what helped us heal to others. Mm -hmm. Pretty simple. Mm -hmm. Well, and I know having worked with the 12 steps the mm -hmm. majority of my career, um, it, I don't know if someone told me this or just kind of revealed itself to me, is that there's, of the 12 steps, there's, there's two um, components to it that are weaved through all the steps and all of the, and, and the different principles is humility and spirituality. And so talk a little bit, you just talked about humility, in, in, a, in a, but talk about the mm. spirituality piece. What, how does that play a part um, in your recovery and in your, in your journey? It's everything. You know, my, my, my body, mind, and spirit are integrated like um, everybody's is meant to be. And the disintegration of that, where the spirit separates or the mind separates or the body separates from an experience, which I want to get back to later because okay. that happened to me again, um, the spirituality demands and challenges me to listen to the voice. That It's not just the voice I hear. You know, I believe the Holy Spirit is always always calling people to a better life mm -hmm. and whatever the distraction whatever the work that becomes obsessive and covers up that voice has to be addressed mm -hmm. and and that's that's so my jumping off place in the morning um actually a chair very similar to this mm -hmm. is you know where i start my day and mm -hmm. um make the contact I need to make and pray. The same things I did as a child, actually. Okay. But with a lot more perspective and awareness, sure. you know, reaching out to a, a, a God that's stronger than I am mm -hmm. that can help me mm -hmm. with whatever today's going to bring. And um, the spirituality of seeing everyone is full of spirit. And can I, can I recognize that? even on a bad day, and can I try to relate to that if they're willing to let me, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, it permeates, it permeates everything. I, I know that, um, you know, and God as we understand him, right, is in the third step. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, are we, can we stop this or not and go back? Oh yeah. no! We just go ahead and go back. You just go ahead and yeah. Go, you can mm -mm. you can mention. So. No, you don't want to. Is any of this going to be edited? 
okay? All right. The um, the God of my childhood mm-hmm. was um, n- was inside of me. The God mm-hmm. of my childhood was part of my awareness. Mm-hmm. When I would <clears throat> lay on the grass or sit at the sandbox or or help my mom garden, and um, when they taught me to pray, it was it was many many pieces of people giving me both their experience and then the natural awareness inside of me mm-hmm. and then i i went to catholic school and i had a pretty good experience i know there's a lot of bad press about the catholic mm-hmm. church and the catholic religion i was very fortunate i came in the into that in the um 60s when the transition or the renewal of the church was very hot and very energetic the second vatican council Mm -hmm. and it was about um yeah the fundamental strong doctrines but also um incorporating liturgy and incorporating scripture and incorporating the holy spirit more than than rituals Mm -hmm. so i was very fortunate i got in on that side of it sure Um, and as I progressed and however, however, the drinking piece, however that happened and started to interfere, um, my, my world expanded and I did know, I did know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God was very powerful, but I don't think I wanted to commit to the challenge that was required to make that a regular mm-hmm. to make that a, a commitment I just don't think I was ready for that sure and um, I had an accident in 1973 I went through a storm door a March wind blew a storm door in my face, and I tried to stop it, and I severed my ulnar artery and my ulnar nerve, and I pretty much bled to death. Mm -hmm. I was on a porch of an apartment, and I had my near-death experience, and I met this power that said it was fine. It was wonderful for me to be dying that I I can still remember this as if it was happening right now. It was okay to be dying. It was perfect to be with God. And I was told I could not stay and that it would kill my mother if I died the way I was going to die. It would would hurt her too much to have me bleed to death Mm -hmm. on a porch. And that experience kind of... Uh, pushed me into a a very almost uh, like a comatose state of all is right with the world and you know too bad for you kind mm-hmm. of it was like everything was wonderful I understood that I had worried too much most of my life and I had too much rigidity about God's power and love mm-hmm. it offset a lot of um, false guilt that mm-hmm. I had developed over the years. Mm-hmm. And um, 
that was, I think, the first part of this journey to, to, to recovery, where I, where I gave up or I surrendered to this power. And I did. I did do that. And, and in um, many recovery programs, recognizing that people have to seek the God of their understanding mm-hmm. is the critical piece that allows people to keep seeking, mm-hmm. actually responding to, I believe, the God who's seeking them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so <clears throat> I was able to <clears throat> recover and look at my Catholic background and be very tolerant in understanding that God is working through all events, uh, that whole idea of divine providence, working through all things that are horrendous and man-made, but can take that and redeem them Mm -hmm. and help people feel the love of people, if that's how they're going to feel it, and understand that's really God in those people. Mm -hmm. So I had all of that through my recovery, because I had to learn how to use my left hand again, my left arm again from this this this, yeah yeah, the accident on the porch so um yeah opening up to how god works is a big piece of recovery well you you know you what you said there about that experience that you had like some you know um i know um Bill Wilson talked about you know having a, a spiritual awakening and and nothing was the same after that, and once you experience something like that, you can't unexperience it. it it's right. You can't unknow it. Yeah, you and you can't unknow it. It doesn't necessarily mean you're you're willing to surrender to it yet, um, and then mm-hmm. because of fear or because of whatever may be going on, um, but you tasted something, and you can't not have tasted it, and. Um, Right. And um, and so I, I I think that's a pretty that that was one of the stories I never heard before. So that's uh, that's a pretty amazing. Um, and how old were you about? I was twenty two, I think. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then you had to go through um, twenty two or twenty three. Go through obviously a rehab rehab yeah. time mm-hmm. of rehabilitating your you know and that whole component. And you said it was your was your left hand. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, okay. they had to sew my hand back on, basically. <laughs> wow. Yep. Wow. wow. Okay. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so that kind of is going to segue to where I wanted to. Laughing in the face of death. This yes, is kind of yeah. where we're going. <laughs> this is kind of where we're going. <laughs> yeah, because that uh, seems to be the theme. Yeah. So <clears throat> after. Your your time, the the bulk of your time that when you were working with Bernie, as that was starting to come to an end, and you were shifting again, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and you had came up with an idea. My, yeah, my mom, my well, a couple things happened. I was um, I was getting tired. I also had a vague sense that it was time to. Um, continued doing what I was doing. I loved helping families with these geriatric illnesses. I still do. But it was going to be different. We had an intense growth period with Satori Pathway. It's still in operation. I'm still a piece of it. I'm still a part of it. I write for the newsletter, and I still meet with families who are um, 
suffering. But I needed to not be working so much with just that. I, I had a sense that I needed to get clear on um, expanding a little bit with my life experience and somehow using that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if it was going to be writing or, or whatever it was going to be. So I I pulled out of full-time work and went to part-time work with her in Satori. And then my daughter-in-law contracted cancer. And that started to shake my my world in a different way. Mm-hmm. The mortality piece, the the how abruptly things can change piece, just like going through the door. Um, the way I transitioned into recovery, you know, one day I was a, a drunken woman and the next day I was a recovering person mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that fast. Mm-hmm. And that's how it was when my dear daughter-in-law, Danielle, was ill. And I thought, I need to get clear on what I'm doing here again. Mm-hmm. It was time for a revamping or a, a, a sharpening or a honing of where I was going and what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So I, I started piecing this idea of what am I leaving behind if I would contr- you know, if I would contract cancer, if I would die, or if I was pulled out of the picture. And what had other people left me? Mm-hmm. And um, between my father's death and my father-in-law's death, actually, and Danielle's illness, I had a, a drive to create something that would provoke people. I didn't want them to have to wait mm-hmm. like like I like I had kind of waited till mm-hmm. I was in my mid 60s. I wanted to give them a tool. So, you know, why not? Sure. Um, yeah. Why not? So, I started writing this I this idea of our legacy which is um, not about leaving a pile of cash and it's not about being famous, I don't think. It's about how am I living that's affecting people and that's going to influence them. Because I was highly influenced by people like my father and my father-in-law and other people who left true value in their actions through their sacrifice to their country, their sacrifice to their family, um, their sacrifice to their neighborhood, their civil sacrifice in the community. And um, so th- so that, that started me writing the Legacy Project and basically was a bunch of questions, mm-hmm. a lot of questions. Right. Um, shaking out what was w- taking my time away at that point in my mid-60s from what I perceived as maybe the last 20 to 30 years of my life. Mm. You know, I, if I could live to be 100, that'd be fine. But right now it's looking like 90 is mm-hmm. the statistic. Sure, right. Yeah, 91 That's right. 92. 90 yeah. to 92 is what they're saying. We're mm. going to live to Kevin. So that started the Legacy Project. And then um, I actually... We talked, yeah. you know, yeah. and I, I asked for your input, and you thought it was a great idea. Mm-hmm. 
to pursue and offered me a venue to do it in when I was ready and, mm-hmm. and to help me sort of critique it and mm-hmm. get it going. And I, I was there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had created it. I thought I had created it. And we were almost ready to do it. Mm-hmm. We were getting ready to um, draw people in and yep. ask people to come to a workshop. And then um, September 18th happened. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about, and you take your take your time, but yeah. but um, uh, I'm I'm teary because I'm reliving a year ago in a good way. I have so much gratitude that I am upright and I am doing this and free of some of the things that had um, had taken over my life mm-hmm. some of the hesitations and um i'm not sure what else i'm I, I don't i'm not sure what else but september 18th i i was going to meet a friend for lunch and um as you know i was crossing this street on state and right by the uh, city hall to go to one of our brand new restaurants downtown and I waited for the crosswalk light like like you're supposed to do. And um, I saw the little people come in, the picture there, and I took a step off the curb and walked two or three steps, and a very large mercury sable came around the corner 35 miles an hour. And I remember only the heat of the motor and the impact and thinking I'm probably going to die or I'm going to be very injured. Mm-hmm. And I was very injured. Mm-hmm. I went up and I came down. And um, it's funny, I thought about this shoe this morning. It was It's in my envelope. This was ripped apart off the ground when I, pivot, when I was pivoted by this car. I pulled it apart. I had these sandals on. It was a beautiful autumn day, very warm, warm enough to wear sandals. And um, when I came down, I was crushed onto the pavement with a lot of damage to my left side, multiple fractures, leg and arm, and internal injuries. And um, I was very fortunate. I was near Swedes. I was only a few minutes away. But that was the beginning of um, a lot of physical pain, psychic pain, and um, a huge, a huge spiritual journey of reliance mm-hmm. and belief that my God was going to get me through this, and I was going to be able to be of some use again and have some piece of my life back. Mm-hmm. I couldn't walk. I, could, I it was my left side. I'm dom, I was dominantly left-handed. I had recovered all that from that other accident, and um, I had multiple fractures on my uh, humus and this shoulder and my left leg. And <clears throat> anyway, I was in rehab for many months at Van Mater. And I learned how to, I had no weight bearing for three months. I had this hand and this, this leg to use. That was it. 
to learn to live again and function again and with my non-dominant side and then finally got out of the wheelchair actually uh, in December it was a year ago I got out of the wheelchair and was using a walker mm-hmm. and learning how to do that. Mm-hmm. And I kept looking, because uh, <clears throat> I was home a lot. I couldn't go very many places. I kept looking at my stack of work I had thought I was going to be doing, and I kept seeing this legacy folder, and I thought, I'm not doing that legacy thing. There's no way I'll be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple other things. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I I let it sit, and then I finally asked my nurse to put it away. I put it away, and in the cupboard, kind of, I, I just didn't want to deal with it. And uh, anyway, part of my recovery ended up being that my husband and I went to Florida in January where it was warmer. We went toward the end of the month where it I didn't have to deal with ice and snow because I had to learn how to walk again. And um, I had my therapy orders down there, swimming pool, you know, the whole, the whole bit. It was wonderful. And a lot of friends we made in Florida. And, again, you know, to me, God's world, uh, when you sit by the ocean and you look at that order, the order of the tides that they publish every day (laughs) by the minute uh, you know and I was that was very profound for me that there was still order because this chaotic piece Mm -hmm. was really challenging me Mm -hmm. and my counselor at the time said you know you're your inability to recognize or acknowledge the chaos that's in the world is going to stop you from getting better. Say that again. My inability to really acknowledge that there is chaos in the Mm. world. But the foundation of the world is like the tides. It's the order, Mm -hmm. you know. It's the order by the Mm -hmm. minute of what Mm -hmm. God has created. Mm -hmm. That kairos, that kind of time, the Mm -hmm. C-H-I-R-O-S time, Mm -hmm. that's God's time. Mm -hmm is the fundamental foundation. And then our humanity gets in the way with this chaos we create through our will. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was able to do my physical recovery down there and um, heal a great deal. I came back, and um, I think we talked on the phone. I think we talked on the phone, you know, a couple times, and... um, I don't know if you remember that or not, but I I think you encouraged me to come see you when I came back to Rockford, yeah, yeah. that you wanted me to come yeah. back and yeah. talk about doing the legacy yeah. piece. It, it's, um, and I don't know if you recall because of that, yeah. but um, three months prior almost to the day yes. is when I had my yes. accident, right? Yes, And um And so... Um, and though it was different, you mm-hmm. know, different type of scenario, it was unexpected. And um, and because of where mine was, it just happened to be the whole process of getting from the mountains in Colorado to back to Rockford, right? right? But, um, but when you think back to that, um, the physical part of our, our body's healing, 
Um, as my doctor had told me, Kevin, this is what's going to happen. Physically, right. the flesh, physically, the bones, physically, this, you know, the tendons, the ligaments, they're going to heal at a, at a certain amount of right. time, give or, give or take, <clears throat> you know, a, a little bit. Um, but for you, when you think about the mental or the psychological piece, um, what, what, when you think back to that time period, what do you think was one of the things that was, um, pulling like I, I remember for me it was as if I was on a path and I've and and if I thought my thoughts going left would be I would awfulize I would do all these different types and I had to consciously stay mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. in the moment which was like mm-hmm. turning right I had to consciously exactly. I only know right. this I don't know exactly you know it was the profound one day at a time yeah Changed to one hour at a time. Yeah. It was one hour at a time of being able to uh, stand safely, move safely, um, and and within my disability, to be able to choose. That was something I was aware of, that I had choices even in my disability. How I related to my beautiful nurse, Augusta, and my husband, this happened to him too. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't talk about that a lot, but this happens when we have events happened, happen that are major events. It happens to a spouse if you are married, if you're connected. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ha- I had an awareness that I could go through this. A number of ways, and and I didn't think about this at the time. It was all very quick. It was just like the accident. It was so, so fast, this processing of what I must do to survive and get better. It -hmm. was exactly that. Mm -hmm. And I was a real survivor. It was all about obeying the therapist, listening to my psychiatrist that I had been assigned at, uh, who dealt with traumatic injury. And um, listening to the fundamentals and keeping it simple. You know, it was about repairing my body first. And I knew the mind would wait. You know, the mind will will wait and wait and wait till you're ready to handle it. Mm -hmm. That, to me, is also spiritual. Mm -hmm. The, The way our brain is created. It's like this the pan on the back of the stove mm-hmm. you know it's there if you need it you don't need to deal with it yet it's going to be there no mm-hmm. one's going to take it it's yeah. going to stay there right. and my mental peace was so damaged from this event my sense of safety in the world my fear of depending on others finding the balance of getting help and not becoming a dependent um there was something I had to deal with uh, spiritually, like how could God let this happen to me? That whole thing was a string in there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when I was able to introduce and kind of start to integrate the idea of chaos that I didn't like because chaos to me was always related to evil mm-hmm. and not the beauty piece of mm-hmm. God's world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, my mental my mental piece was uh, totally focused on um, therapy and exercise and 
kind of like, was I being decent to people? Right. <laughs> you know, was I, or was I getting to be a self-centered little patient? You mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. so sure. And I remember that having to having to choose. Yeah. You know, and and if I did get into a bad spot, which happened, oh yeah, how long was I going to stay there? Right. You know, what things did I do to perpetuate being in that funk or being in that negative or critical mood? Um, and what right. things were I what things were I doing to right. to release it and get back to where like a, right. a, a balanced state? You know. Right. Um, how, yeah, I don't know if this is a mental piece, but I want I wanted to um, to. Uh, I wanted to address, you know, the fears around this too with the relationships. You know, my kids looked at me differently. Mm-hmm. My my kids are adults mm-hmm. in their thirties, and they had never seen me this dependent or mm-hmm. broken. And I don't know who had more trouble. I I don't need to analyze it, but it was it was pretty emotional sure. for sure. them and for me. Yeah. And there was some carryover from that yeah. Yeah. for a while. We've talked about. Yeah. Um, I've tried to share with them what I learned yeah. uh, from that experience. When you think of that event, and um, and maybe it was during during the rehab, but where if there was a, a a beginning of a turning point of a beginning of a of a of a space where, again, not necessarily physically, but more about the mental emotional piece mm-hmm. that it started shifting for you, like a surrender or releasing. Oh, yeah. What I was what, in Florida. Okay, it's very interesting you asked that. I kind of forgotten this jim had jim had taken his walk he had his little morning routine i was alone and i was just learning to drive again in this small condo community that we were in and i went around a roundabout and two couples jumped out of nowhere into the street they were crossing the street and for me to avoid hitting them which was so ironic i had to go up on a curb and i hit a big boulder and I wrecked the side of my car Mm. it was so traumatic and anger making at the same time for me I went a lot of things happened to get my car where it needed to be and I had to ask for help Jim was nowhere to be found he was out on his walk which was interesting I had to deal with all of this alone for the first time. I was alone since the accident. Mm -hmm. I got back to our condo, and I was sitting there, and I was really disturbed. I realized I couldn't function right. I was too emotional. Very, very aware of the brain, the emotional piece rather than the physical piece. Mm -hmm. For the first time, I saw how crushed I was Mm -hmm. and I remember this is my experience a voice saying there are forces that do not want you to get healed all the way that do not want you well you need to pray for total healing and willingness the willingness to be healed Mm -hmm. all the way Mm -hmm. and that to me meant because I was walking and driving physically I was getting healed it was Mm-hmm. the mind and the heart I really had to start praying to get done and move forward with the fear piece the people all of that mm-hmm. it was really profound mm-hmm. and it was it was like a total moving forward 
and saying, I don't have to be, my identity doesn't have to be the woman who got run over by the car. Mm. <laughs> Even though that's what we're talking about. Sure. It yeah. only comes out when it's, when it's going to be of use or when it's initiated by mm-hmm. someone else, mm-hmm. for the most part, a direct yeah. question. Yeah. Most people would never know by the way I walk, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, you know. So, so it's interesting. What what I what it just came to when you just said that is that at that moment where I have to, I have to once again surrender. I have to look at everything. It's not just a physical component, mm-hmm. but I have to look at the the psychological wounds that you had mentioned that that mm-hmm. came as a result of being traumatized and a victim mm-hmm. of this of this um, traumatic event. But it's very similar to when you described earlier with alcoholism, in that that you no longer with about being the alcoholic or or whatever Mm -hmm. it was about recovery Mm -hmm. it it was about surrendering not Mm -hmm. just the behavior but the thinking patterns Mm -hmm. surrendering Mm -hmm. um you know what that old perspective yeah Mm -hmm. what that old god looked like what that old perspective was and Mm -hmm. in in similar um uh taking those tools i imagine that was also part of Mm -hmm. the things you had done before Mm-hmm. In other circumstances, in recovery, as you went through the accident when you were in your twenties, right, um, and had to reinstitute that, right, um, exactly. I remember when my accident happened, and, and people because they don't know what to say, and so they say right. things, you know, and they, right. they, don't they go, know what to say. You know, they go, oh, well, God, this must be God's way of telling you to slow down, or, oh. or this may be, you know, <laughs> you know, or, you know, silly things yeah. like that, uh-huh. right? And I'm like, no, this happened because of gravity. Exactly. Um, you know, it's like exactly. if there was no gravity, I wouldn't have exactly. ever, you know, had the problem. We'd have other problems maybe, but but it wouldn't be yeah, that one, right. you know. The um, human element is that yeah. chaos element I yep. didn't want to talk about yep. with people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, and that doesn't necessarily mean just like you avoided hitting those people <sighs> and end up hitting that rock. Yes. You know, we don't have to have a villain in the story. Exactly. You know, um, exactly. Bad things can happen even if there isn't a villain. Exactly. And I remember that part of being so angry because I it was a certain part of my rehab, but I still was a long ways away. And for the first time since this happened, I was angry, and I had nowhere to go with it. I love the I love what you brought up about people don't know what to say, mm-hmm. and they need to integrate it with their prior knowledge or their fundamental outlook on the world. And I have great compassion for people who who hear about this or who were with me at that time. They don't know what to say. And um, it's like after a death. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people can't just say. A a few friends said to me, actually, I don't know what to say. (laughs) Except I'm so sorry this happened to you. But they didn't try to explain it for me. Yeah. And that that helped a great deal. Yeah, you know, and I've carried that one with me. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's, to other people. You know, three years ago, when mm-hmm. when your father-in-law, right, and and that was last Friday, mm-hmm. and, and yes. three years ago is when tomorrow um, will be when when yes. my father-in-law died. Yes, and I remember being at that funeral and and watching people come through the visitation, and yes. and the ones that were just there. Maybe didn't say anything at all. Maybe just said, "We're sorry," or, or mm-hmm. whatever it may have been. Those um, touched me more, and yes. I know, I know for for you know the kids and and Diane and Delinda mm-hmm. and Donna, um, 
just those, just being there. Just the people yeah. showing up. Yeah. And and it wasn't necessarily what, what the words didn't necessarily, mm-hmm. the, the more simple, um, the more impactful, right? It was the showing up We that's kind of hackneyed phrase now, you know, showing up. But it's true mm-hmm. because it represents their time. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the piece that, you know, has really come forward in this. Mm-hmm. That they would take the time to come and stand in a line and look at you mm-hmm. and look at your family during this thing. The people that showed up at my door surprised me who took the time mm-hmm. and the people who did not mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. take the time you know mm-hmm. it's yeah. interesting yeah but yeah. It, yeah the presence yeah you know that was another gift from this experiences yeah. i'm yeah. sure you know yeah and i and i think you know it's um how each person deals with that a little bit differently right and right. and each person wants something a little bit differently you know, right. at that at different times too, but let me let's. I want to move a little bit into as we uh, move into this idea of like this legacy program mm-hmm. is now being um, now I want to say resurrected, but really yeah. it it, it kind of got put on a shelf for a yeah. bit, right? As you right. were rehabbing, um, but tell us a little bit about what it is now because of this mm-hmm. latest experience that you went through, mm-hmm. and and then what would you want people to know about it and and. One of the gifts, one of the pearls from the accident was I lost a piece of me that really cared about how you viewed me. Mm-hmm. That was a huge piece mm-hmm. that went away. So any hesitation about how legacy would be perceived went away. Mm-hmm. And I thought, it's worth a try. Mm-hmm. You know, I was motivated to do this. It doesn't need to be a huge success. But I think it's a value. I hope it's a value. I'm mm-hmm. going to try it. Mm-hmm. It was very light. It was. I had a much lighter mm-hmm. feel when I came into actually trying it. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, let's go for a walk there, somewhere, somewhere I'd never been. You yeah. know, yeah. a new path. Yeah. It wasn't a big mission. Mm-hmm. It was like an exploration. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because that's exactly what legacy is. Mm-hmm. When I have the groups gather, and I've done three of them. We gather, and I simply ask questions and let them speak among themselves, take notes. Mm-hmm. I have some provocative uh, ideas on a on an overhead kind of thing, and we discuss at, at the will of the group, actually their experience with people who have left a legacy, people who maybe failed to live a, give them a legacy, and what they want to do about that mm-hmm. in their own life. Mm-hmm. And the different aspects of um, what we give our children, our family, our friends, and, our, and uh, the community, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. knowingly or unknowingly. You right. know, this is... A, I don't want to get too heavy, but the consciousness of what I'm doing, we don't want to be so self-centered, we're taking our pulse every minute, but but to at least have a direction mm-hmm. and provoke these people into a more a more focused direction in yeah. their own life. You know, a couple of things That's that you said 
you know, when you talked about earlier with recovery that it wasn't just about alcohol anymore, but it, it talked about other things. And one of the phrases that I've heard or you use is um, having integrity in all our affairs, mm-hmm. um, being life-giving in, mm-hmm. in everything that we do. Mm-hmm. And then what, what I just heard you just comes to mind as, as I've sat in, sat in the groups oh, is yeah. this idea of being intentional. Yeah. And if I'm doing life intentional, it's very similar when we're rehabbing, right? Um, from a physical injury and right. psychological, we have to we have to learn how to be intentional when we learn how to walk again. Right. And and if we're living life with in, with that intention, then we have a much better idea. Instead of life happening to us, um, you know, we can be in that flow. We can be. Right. In, the, in that space. And just like you told me earlier about <laughs> as you were going through your morning ritual and meditating this morning. Um, this ugly little shoe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was ripped off my foot. Yeah. And I think it's listening to that voice, listening yeah. to that nudge, um, regardless if it's to bring it as an illustration mm-hmm. and a symbol of what mm-hmm. happened, um, or if it's prompting you to, to start a program like Legacy, um, mm-hmm. to call somebody, um, uh, to to go and visit somebody. Yeah, it's interesting because I didn't really know where the shoe was. Mm. It had been brought home and put somewhere, and I just saw it. I just saw my husband put it in an envelope by a number of things I've been collect. I had been collecting because I'm also writing a book, um, <clears throat> and it was in this envelope, mm. and I found it by accident mm-hmm. uh, over the weekend. Okay. When I was kind of straightening things out sure. for Christmas stuff, there sure. it was. Sure. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I have enjoyed doing the legacy so far. I hope people uh, will think about uh, it, it as an adventure, and it, it's fun. The people seem to relate to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether they know each other or not, they're there to learn something about themselves and other people. And I think we're going to have one April 26th. It's a Friday morning in the spring. I like it to be uh, in the spring when people are energized with new life. Um, And then I'll do one in May in the evening. Mm -hmm. I think May 8th is a Wednesday. Okay. Perfect. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, after the holidays. I know you and Jim are going to Florida for a few months and uh, right. to to visit your new home and um, right. and uh, gonna. That's another and part of return your... to the, my water project. Yes. You know, that's the other piece of intentional uh, choices. I'd been fascinated by um, you know the the idea of the water in our world being so badly affected and for the future as a grandmother. Mm -hmm. uh, I want my grandchildren to have what we had, which was never a care, Mm -hmm. never a care about having clean water or enough water. So I I contacted the University of Florida. This all happened again way before the accident, like four years ago, and volunteered to be trained for water research program in Florida, which I was able to do actually last year with my little cane. I went out and collected the water, and they uh, there's a certain protocol you follow, mm-hmm. um, and they take it and test it, and they can tell where the bad stuff's coming into the uh, gulf and who to go speak to about what they're putting in the water. So. Sure. I'm going to be part of that again. 
I'm I'm kind of committed to that as mm-hmm. my bigger piece, you know, the bigger circle, my family, you know, the the community, and then kind of the world. You want to do something, I think, to right, right. to give back. Yeah, yeah. I've been given so much. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you know, if it's the water project, if it's the groups that you that you work with, either through AA or through just your circle of mm-hmm. of, of people, um, either through church or through other organizations, um, and then now this with legacy, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you you have a good story to tell, and um, in being able to share um, some of your experiences is I think what gives is an opportunity for people to also have hope, and uh, because if if Ann and Kevin could do it. <laughs> Right. <laughs> that means they, they're they're capable of doing it too. Happens to you, yes. Right. There is support to meet the challenge. Yeah. Well, well, thank you very much for coming in. We will. Thanks, um, Kevin. Uh, we'll definitely, if you're open to it, you know, maybe in the future, okay. uh, you know, a year from now or whatever it may be, have you come back and uh, okay. and see how everything is going? Okay. Because I imagine there'll be a new adventure. Oh, <laughs> it looks like there could be the way things exactly. <laughs> <go on. laughs> exactly. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you again. Thanks. Yeah.